0: Hey, good morning. It's good to be at Gila Valley Baptist Church this morning with my family. This is always good and and what a privilege it is to get to come back uh, to Gila and just be able to see good friends and, and just be able to share this time of worship together uh elaine was not able to be with me this time which i'm really bummed about but you know she gets tired of me preaching so that's uh, <laughs> used to she didn't, couldn't get out of it she had to be here and now she's got a way out and she's like i'm out of here i no more of that now actually because we're doing the ordination service this evening she's got a lot that is taking place at work tomorrow with them transferring over computer uh, systems and so there's going to be a lot that she has to go through and have training and stuff and so she was unable to be with me here but she sends greetings to you guys and she misses you as well and uh, so I know that that uh, she'll look forward to the opportunity to get to come once again. I am glad to be here though at this first of the year and uh, I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope that you had a good New Year's and that you're looking forward to a bright 2023. I don't know about you but I kind of like fresh starts. I kind of like the newness of a new year. And I don't know about you, I'm kind of a routine kind of guy. But at the same time, there are opportunities that a new year brings. Maybe you're a person that really likes having to set some new goals or a new resolution if you do those things. Maybe in your exercise or eating habits, you, you like to do things a little different. I know 2022 was a bust for me. I mean, it just was out the door i've worked for 10 years on trying to work out and stay decent in shape you know forget the eating stuff i'm going to eat what i want to eat so (laughs) that's just there you know but it's just a bust and so i'm getting ready for a a new year and seeing if i can have some opportunities to get back into a routine maybe you've got some you know routines that you want to start with your family You know, maybe you haven't dated your spouse like you wanted to in in 2022 and you're looking for those opportunities to to be able to show them a little bit more care and love and, you know, men, step it up a little bit, you know, try to be the husband that you were meant to be. You know, we we know our wives are always kind of that top, you know, and we got to measure up somehow and uh, that's that's why in the Word of God it talks about in Ephesians 5, 25, that you know, us men, we have really the harder challenge. We got to love our li- our wives like Christ loved the church. Well, come on! I mean, that's that's a little bit overboard, don't you think? I mean, He died for the church, so that puts us at a really disadvantage. You know, all the women have to do is submit. Got to do so, or maybe maybe just you you have some thoughts and ideas spiritually about what you would like to see 2023 be like. I don't know about you, but I have been in the pastoral ministry for the time during Gila for those almost 13 years. And then as a consultant with BCNM and for these last six years, can you believe that's been six years? I mean, I know looking at me, you're saying, yeah, you sure it had been more, you know, (laughs) but I still, you know, struggle. Like maybe you do with those spiritual disciplines that you want so desperately to be the prayer warrior that spends, you know, half your day, you know, in prayer. And yet you also want to be that man or woman that's in the Word of God, you know, so you want to make sure that your devotions last, you know, like three hours. You know, you, you want to be really, really you know grounded in God's word and then of course you got a witness and so you want to witness to everybody in your town you know at least three times a week for those that really need it you know so you, you get what I'm saying we, we want to be these spiritual giants don't we but the, the the reality is oftentimes we don't feel like spiritual giants do we I mean, we, we struggle with being able to get a five-minute devotional in, you know, and, and then we feel guilty when we miss a day, and maybe we haven't talked to somebody about the Lord in quite some time. Maybe we're, we're not the prayer warriors that we, we want to be, and that God calls us to be. Whatever it may be, I, I want to just give you a little bit of a reset this morning. I want us to think about, you know, we don't have very good service at our house and so for our phones, I don't even know where it is anymore, but I, you know, my phone, every once in a while, I just have to turn it off and then turn it back on. And my son-in-law, who's kind of like a computer guru, you know, he's the guy that says, if you do that, well, it catches service better. Why? It, it's, it's aware and it's alert and it's, and it's, you know, as best technology can do, it is sensitive to that signal. And so it catches that easier. And so I want us to think about as men and women of God, that we can also have a reset. And in 2023, I know that whoever got to preach last week, they got to one up me because, you know, that was the first day of 2023. Well, I'm coming down as second place, which I really don't like because I like to win. I like to win, and so I, I'm already the second week in, but I'm gonna give you this morning some things that I think are, are beneficial when we look at having a reset in our life. And so if you would turn with me in your copy of God's word, I, I want us to just take a look this morning at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and I know that you're probably this morning looking and going, Hallelujah, there's only two verses. How long can you go on two verses? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'll try to be aware of time frame today, but I want us to consider Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Because when we think about that new year that we have been blessed with, and man, isn't it a beautiful day today when you go out and you just consider, man, we got snow on Baldy out here. It looks beautiful. The sun is shining bright. I mean, it just feels like a new day, doesn't it? It feels like a new opportunity, a fresh new start. And so when we think about new starts, I I think the Apostle Paul, if anyone knew about fresh starts, I mean, this is a guy who on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 got a radical fresh new start. I don't know about you, but my testimony doesn't go something like this. And I was walking to go persecute believers and a bright light shone from heaven and knocked me to the ground. And, and I heard a voice saying, you know, why do you persecute me? You know, I, that, that's not really in my testimony. But that's the person that has written the gospel here of the Romans. This is, this is what he is being able to share with them. He's just given in these first... 11 chapters, a wonderful exposition of the gospel. And what do we know in simple the gospel to be? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. What about Jesus Christ? Well, He is God, came down to earth. He died on the cross to bring about salvation for all who would place their faith and trust in Him. Because after he died on the cross, he was buried and rose again on the third day, victorious over death in the grave. And that's the gospel. And he has shared with that eloquently with his readers throughout these first 11 chapters. And then he begins to work through some practical implications of these first 11 chapters. In other words, he is saying here in chapter 12, If you believe these things in the first 11 chapters that I've shared with you about how all have sinned and the only way that we can be right with God is to receive His grace and forgiveness upon our confession and repentance and then we're saved, we come before Him right? If you believe this, then your behavior must follow. If you believe these things about the facts about Jesus and who He is and what He's done, then our attitudes and actions ought to follow. And so that's what he goes in chapter 12 in these first two verses. And we'll take a look at that if you'll follow along with me now. He writes to these who are, mind you, believers. Okay, He's not writing to those that are far from God. He's not writing to those that don't know the person and work of Christ. He's writing to those who are believers, and he writes these things in just these two verses this morning. He writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer and just bathe our time together this morning in the study of His Word in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you, the one and only true God, holy, just, and loving. Merciful and gracious. And yet we stand before you, God, receiving access. We receive access to you only because of Jesus Christ, your one and only Son, who gives us access. He's the only mediator that we need. We don't need a pope. We don't need another priest. We only need the priest, and that is Jesus Christ. And you have made us as priests to come before your throne and to be able to access you, to, to know you, and to be able to pour out our struggles and, and, and our problems and our things that we are that are weighing us down in this world today. And Lord God, today I just pray that as we've already worshipped you in song and lifted up this place with our voices of praise unto you. Lord God, today as we study your word, I pray that you would now Have us to just be still before you. That, Lord God, you would speak to us through your word. That, Lord God, yes, they would maybe hear this Texas accent, but through the Texas accent, they would be able to hear that these are words from you, from the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And he wrote these words because there were believers there that desperately needed to understand how to behave and what that looked like in their life. And so, Lord God, help us to recognize those words are still true and relevant for us today. We need to know that because we say that we are believers of the Scripture, that we need to know how to behave as such and follow Jesus in all that we say and do. And so, Lord God, speak to us this morning. Convict us in these areas, Lord God, that maybe we're not in line with you and bring us back gently to a place of not only knowing You better, but serving You better in 2023. And we thank You and praise You in the precious and powerful name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. 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 As we take a look at this passage here today, I I want you to know that Paul is really serious. You know, I can stand up here today and I can preach this, this message, but I am preaching it secondhand. Paul the Apostle, he was firsthand as he had written that of course inspired by the person of God the Holy Spirit he was he was inspiring Paul to write this but Paul was writing on the page and he is absolutely passionate about what he writes why because if we look down here in verse one he said therefore I urge you in other words he's calling on them he's exhorting them the new living translation even says I plead with you He is desperate to help them to understand how to live this life of faith in their everyday lives. And so, as best as I can, let me help you to know today, I really do plead with you. I want you to live the life that God has planned and purposed for you. And the very best way that I know how is not to follow the one, two, threes, and ABCs of Tara Henderson but to follow the word of God so that we might understand that God's plan and purpose for us is given to us in his word. And so Paul says, I plead with you. So what does he plead with them about? What is he really wanting them to understand? Well, I think there's three basic things that we can take a look at today from this passage. Now, there may be other pieces of the puzzle that are there, but there are three very definite things that God through the Apostle Paul wants us to understand for today. And number one is the action step that we can take in 2023 to get on page with God and to really have the best that God has to offer us is to surrender ourselves to God. Now, I don't know about you, but everyone, every time that I hear the word surrender, I just kind of have to push back a little bit because we don't like to surrender, do we? we? We think about surrender in our world, in our terms, of those that are backing down, those in war that are waving the white flag, those that are out there on the battlefield of football, basketball, and everything else saying, okay, we're done, you know, we're, we're surrendering, we're giving up. But you know what? That's exactly what that means. And that's when it's hard. is because when Paul wants them to surrender, he's saying you've got to give up your own rights. There's a story that was told that actually happened in a a Baptist church long ago. And and when the offering plate was passed, there was a little girl that was on the end of the aisle, and when the offering plate was passed, she got the offering plate, and I won't do this because these are so nice and they also have money in them, and I wouldn't want to take that out, but she puts the plate down and she stands in the offering plate. And her mom looked over her and went, what in the world are you doing? And she said, well, I just learned in Sunday school that we are to present ourselves as an offering. And so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> You see, the fact is is that we are to be surrendered to the Lord God. And yet, that's not something that comes natural. That's not something that comes easy in our flesh and blood because we like to control. We like to say what goes. We like to be the authority over our lives. But you know what, men and women, boys and girls? The day that you gave your life to Jesus, if you've done that, was the day that you allowed Jesus to have that authority and not you. You don't get to have that point to where you're the authority. You get the final say. You gave that right to the one who died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago and gave His life so that He could be Lord over yours. So we must be surrendered. And to surrender takes selflessness. In other words, here it says present your bodies. As a living sacrifice. Ultimately, he says, by the mercies of God. They understood the mercies of God. What is mercy? It's not getting what we deserve. I am so grateful that even though God is just, that he is merciful. Because he gives us, or he doesn't give us, what we deserve. And I'm thankful for that. Over in Lamentations, we see in chapter 3, verse 22, it speaks about how his compassions, or it's also translated mercies, are new every day. Anybody want to witness and testify today that they need God's mercy every day? Man alive, if we didn't have it the past week, I would already feel like a failure for 2023. I would already feel like my, my my time for 2023 and the 365 days that we get in a year is toast. And so I'm thankful that God's mercies are new every day. And so that's why Paul is pleading with them and he's helping them to understand because of His mercies being new every day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be selfless and present yourselves as... A sacrifice. In other words, he gives this term "present." It means to give, to offer. In the Old Testament, it would be the picture of those individuals bringing their sacrifice to the temple, and that sacrifice would ultimately be slaughtered, the blood drained, and that sacrifice would atone for their sins. But it's that picture, if you will, of bringing an offering. Something that is yours over to God. And so we might think of it this way. way. The term offer or present is a term that means to offer once and for all. It's not something that we do each and every day. We'll talk about that here in just a few moments. It's something that we do once and done. Kind of like when I stood before my wife on that day when she was a little bit younger, and I was a, bit, a little bit less gray and a little bit lighter, June 23rd, 1990, and I stood before a whole congregation of people and the pastor in front of us, and I placed that ring on her finger and said the vows. And you know what those vows say at the very end? Till death do we part. Now, I'm not saying today that that always is the case for every person. But for the analogy, let me use that today. When I place that ring on her finger in sickness and in health, in goods and bads, and believe you me, I had somebody tell me one time when we were kind of working through some difficulties with them, they said, yeah, but you're a pastor. You and your wife don't have the same problems. <laughs> <laughs> She's a woman, isn't she? No, I'm just kidding. I am just teasing. That was for all you who were trying to sleep out there right now. Of course we have issues because we're human. One day she told me, she said, are we always going to struggle with communication? And I said, as long as you're talking and I'm talking, yes, we are. We're always going to struggle. But the vow was not until we got tired of it. The vow was not until things just got rough and rocky. The vow was, we're going to do it once and for all. And my friends, what I'm trying to say is, is that when Paul talks about presenting ourselves, he's saying that he wants us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, that surrender before Him once and for all. Now, ultimately, we kind of do that on a daily basis in how we get back our mind to being selfless before Him. But that day that you accepted Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, that was your once and for all. You don't get any do-overs on that. You gave up the rights to be the authority over your life. God reserves that right for Himself now. And so when we think about that presenting ourselves, we present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. I like the way that John the Baptist said, He must increase. And so what? Because He's increasing in my life, I must decrease. We don't get to both increase. If He's going to increase in my life and the proclamation that I make in the the everyday life that I live, then I've got to decrease. And so when we think about Paul's words here, it reminds me of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said, If anyone, anyone, Man, woman, boy, or girl, I'll just put in the tar paraphrase there. If anyone wants to come and follow me, they can do that. But here's the stipulation they must deny themselves. That's one of the hardest things that we have to do is to deny self. It's hard to deny ourselves in our jobs, it's hard to deny ourselves in our marriages, it's hard to deny ourselves in our churches. It's hard to deny ourselves because we are me-centric. We come out in that little baby as me-centric and we stay oftentimes me-centric. That's the way that we are geared. And yet, it is through our giving ourselves and surrendering ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ that on a daily basis, we begin to be Christ-centered and focused instead of me-centered. And so what Paul is saying to them here is he said, you need to present yourselves. You need to surrender yourselves. But how are we going to do that? Well, two quick things here, and and, and then we'll move on. But he says we need to do that because surrendering takes sacrifice. Surrendering takes sacrifice. And if we look here in these words today, it says to present your bodies. The Greek word body is soma. And it doesn't mean parts or individual pieces of your body. It means the whole person. Just like that young girl who stepped in the plate. Every part of her. I mean, when I go out to eat and they say, Hey, do you want the the lunch menu, the half the steak? No, I want the whole steak, okay? Jesus doesn't want the half of each of you. He wants the whole of each of you. And so we present ourselves. We surrender ourselves. We are selfless in our sacrifice before the Lord. So two quick things about that. Number one, he says that we are to be a living sacrifice. You see, the Old Testament people, they had it easy because their sacrifices were animals. Now I'm not saying it was easy to bring that sheep that they had raised, that lamb, or, or whether it was that heifer that they had raised and brought it over there. I'm not saying that was easy. But, but get this. That sacrifice, when they took it and they slit its throat, it's a dead sacrifice. But he calls us to be living sacrifices. Sometimes I think it would be easier to die for Christ than it is to live for Christ. The fact of the matter is, is that he has not called us to give everything to death as the easy way out. He's saying that I want you to present yourselves as a living sacrifice daily. That is something that's hard for us to do. And yet Paul is very adamant about that, that Jesus has already fulfilled the debt for sin. Now, we don't have time today to go into this, but I want to give you a few things that you can go back and take a look at. If you'll look at Hebrews chapter 9, and you can start about verse 24. And then read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, and go all the way through Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, and find how many times that the author of Hebrews said once, 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 for all, for all, for all. The reason I bring that out is because Jesus, unlike those priests that stood, and ministered there at the temple daily to offer up those sacrifices for sin, it claims that Jesus, in verse 26 of chapter 9, came and gave His life once to atone for sin. He didn't have to do it over and over and over and over and over. Once is enough when you're God. Once is enough when you're absolute perfect without sin. And that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 teaches us is that He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. So, what Jesus has done is everything He did for once, but it was for all time. And so, we are the living sacrifices. It's been said, the only thing wrong with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off the altar. Don't you sometimes just want to say, Lord, I've given it pretty good this week. I know it's only Tuesday, but can I just can I just skip out for the rest of the week and do a little for me? We want to crawl off the altar, don't we? And yet, we also understand that it says that we are to be holy. Not only living sacrifices, but holy sacrifices. There was an old commercial of ivory soap. And ivory soap touted that they were 99.7% pure. I don't know whether it made that, you know, that you got cleaner using ivory soap or, you know, or whatever. But the, the commercial was basing on the purity. Well, holiness is about purity. Holiness is being set apart for God and for his purposes in your life. And so he desires for us to be pure. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he even says that we are to be holy as he is holy, according to Leviticus chapter 19. He wants us set apart. He wants us pure. Now, students, children, I'm going to meddle with you today. I'm going to meddle with you because I think it's this important. It is hard to live a pure life in our world today with all the filth that is on media outlets with all the things that we deal with it's hard to live a pure life but what your eyes see you can't unsee and what you think you don't unthink and what you act upon sometimes have consequences that you don't get to change those consequences So if I could just share with you, holiness means that we stand guarded, that we're alert to Satan's attacks, and that we are holding ourselves accountable before God, that we want to be pure, that we want to be ready to be able to serve God in whatever capacity. I'm not saying that when we fail that those consequences are so far lasting that maybe we can never be used by God. I mean, look at Peter. He denied Christ three times and Christ still came to him and restored him and gave him an opportunity to serve. But what I'm sharing with you is that God's desire is for us to be holy. And the only way that we can be holy is when we are willing to sacrifice and when we're willing to stand and be accountable to Him. What does a sacrifice that is living and holy look like? I'm glad you asked. I really am. Because I'm going to tell you in these last two things in, in verse 2. You see, he's already shared with us in verse 1. He said that we are to be living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God. You know what acceptable to God looks like? Jesus. Wow! Man! That's hard! But when we look at Jesus in the Gospel, He was always doing the Father's will. There at the Garden of Gethsemane, in chapter 14 of Mark, He cried out to the Father three times, Lord, remove this cup of suffering from Me. And then you know what He said in that final verse, verse 36, He said, But not my will, but Thy will be done. That, my friends, is what a holy living sacrifice looks like. And you say, Pastor... But I'm not Jesus. Well, you're right about that. And I'm not either. But that ought to be our desire, to conform to His image and likeness. And so what does it look like to really be a living and holy sacrifice? Well, let's take a look here and see. Ultimately, from verse 2, it is not to be conformed. In other words, we've got to be separated Separated for who or separated for what? Well, let me just say this. When Paul says, and do not be conformed, to conform means to be poured into a mold. Okay? And, and, And what Paul is saying is, don't be poured into the world's mold to where you begin to look more like the world than what you look like Christ. If Christ is the standard, If Christ is who we're aiming for in the way that we think, in the way that we act, knowing that we'll never get there, this side of heaven, until we're in our resurrected, glorified state in heaven with Christ, we're not going to be there where no more sin resides. Here, we're not going to be there. But that ought to be our aim. That ought to be our desire to look more like Christ. And so what can we do we can deny conformity to the world. If conform means to be molded in the shape of the world, then we need to deny that type of conformity. We don't need to be conformed to the world. Why? Because ultimately Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the one who reigns in our world. If you don't believe me, just go over and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Look there, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He has the power because God has allowed him that limited power. Mind you, if I could just go ahead and give a little parenthesis here, he's already defeated. He was defeated when Christ rose from the grave. But God still allows him that access to have reign here. But there'll come a time when he'll be finally put to an end. So we need to deny conformity. We need to deny the worldly wisdom. You see, I think we've gotten so caught up in the wisdom of the world that sometimes we desire that type of wisdom. And yet, we'd have to deny that type of wisdom of the world. It teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that God uses the foolish things, not the wisdom of the world. So we must, we must seek out His wisdom. Another thing is we need to deny those worldly beliefs. We need to not conform to worldly beliefs that says, Well, we ought to do it this way because everybody does it. Well, just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's right doesn't mean because everybody does it that that is according to the plan and purpose that God has in store for us. So we need to deny that conformity to the world and also the worldly treasures. Even that has come about in the churches of today that are the health and wealth and prosperity gospels that say if you'll just trust the Lord more, if you'll just have more faith then God will bless you with more and you'll have the riches untold, But the fact of the matter is Jesus himself said, do not store up treasures for yourself here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But where are we supposed to store our treasures in? Heaven. Where neither moth or rust destroy or thieves break in and steal because he says wherever your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. That's where our heart ought to be. It's where our treasure is being stored up in heaven. It's an analogy for are we doing things that are according to God's plan and purpose that bring honor and glory to Him or to self. And then lastly on that, the worldly practices. The things that are all about what we want. We conform to the world even though we know we're not necessarily supposed to because we kind of like it. Now I'm not asking for confession. Please, I'm not asking for confession. We've all got our things that the world seems a little bit right It's like an old deacon friend that I used to have that said, if you're not having fun sinning, you're not doing it right. Now, I know that sounds totally, totally sacrilegious, but he's right from this. Sin is fun for a season is what Hebrews teaches us. Sin is appealing. Temptation is appealing to us because it tempts our fleshly nature. And if it did not, then it would not be temptation. But ultimately, that's only fun or enjoyable for a season. And then we experience the consequences. So are we living in a way that brings honor and glory to Christ? I love this illustration about the moon, because the moon itself has no light in it. It's only the moon is lit up. I don't know whether you went outside last night, but the moon last night was beautiful. I mean, just absolutely beautiful, almost full. But what is that? It's a reflection of the sun upon the moon. And sometimes we get to see the beautiful moon in New Mexico that's almost full. And then sometimes we get to see a half moon. Sometimes we get to see maybe a third of a moon. Sometimes a quarter and a sliver, and even down to the point to where sometimes there's no moon seen at all. But what is the difference between the bright, glowing, full moon and the moon that we only see as a sliver? It is because as the earth rotates, it gets in between the sun and the moon. And those times that we see just the sliver of the moon it's because the sun is not reflecting off the moon. That's the way it is in our life. When we're looking like Christ, it's because the Son of God is reflecting His perfect light on our lives, and people can see it. I mean, they're like, wow, I'm seeing it. I'm being able to witness and testify to the work of Christ in their life. And sometimes they see a half of a reflection. And sometimes they see a very minimal reflection. But it's no different because the reason we don't reflect the light of Christ is because we let the earth get in the way. We let the things of the world get in the way. That's why John the Apostle in 1 John chapter 2, he said, look, in verse 15 through 17, don't get caught up in the things of the world because they're passing away. And if you say that you love the things of the world, then you don't love the Father. So, he brings us to this final point. Now let me just think. What needs to change in our life so that we can be separated to God? What needs to change in our life? Is it the TV shows that we look at? The movies that we see? The things that we listen to? The things that we speak? What needs to change in our life so that we'll look more like Christ, not like the world? There ought to be a difference. There ought to be a noticeable difference in the way that we live so that people can see it. How do we do that? He gives us that final thought. He says that we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. To be transformed is the word metamorpho, where we get metamorphosis. It's the to change form. It's like when you're a little kid and you're out there chasing the tadpoles around and those tadpoles become frogs. And those cocoons become butterflies or moths. That's the process of metamorphosis. And so he is saying here that because you have a new identity in Christ, we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now I'm not going to say that We're going to grow leaps and bounds every year. But in 2023, don't you want to look more like Christ at the end of 2023 than what you do at the beginning of 2023? Don't you want to live a life that honors and glorifies God more in 2023 than you did in 2022? I know I do. But the problem is it's not easy. It comes with surrender. It comes with sacrifice. It comes from denying conformity to the world and being separated. And it comes by allowing God to do the work of transformation in us. I won't go for the whole time today. I'll give you just a little application. But I do want to point out one thing as we kind of bring this to a close. Luke chapter 19. There's a beautiful story about how Jesus comes... And this wee little man, we won't mention other wee little men, we we see Jesus coming and Zacchaeus is up in a tree. And in Luke chapter 19, he's a rich tax collector. And Jesus said, hey, you come down from that tree because today I'm going to your house to stay. And this is what happens. I'm just going to kind of press forward in it because I know that we're short on time. And so Zacchaeus came down, and when all of them saw it, there in verse 7 of Luke chapter 19, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. See, people don't like when, when, when Jesus gets with people that, that are not righteous. But look what happens to this man. This is what I see as transformation. Transformation. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. First and foremost, he recognizes Jesus as Lord. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a priest. He's not a good teacher. He's God in the flesh. He's Lord. And then he says this, Half of all my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. That is transformation. Transformation is when we come to Christ and we receive His forgiveness and then we walk away changed. And He continues to do a work in us from that day forward. Sometimes the process of sanctification is two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes it's one step forward and three steps back. But there's always a sense if we're truly a child of God, that we're going to be moving closer in our walk with Him. Transformation. It happens at different levels for every person. A transformation is what God is doing in and through us by the renewing of our mind. Let me give you three points of application and we'll close. And they're quick. What can we do to apply this passage to our life today? Well, first and foremost we can be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, when He prompts us to do something in our life, we're going to be obedient and not be, well, this is what I want. No, we'll be like Christ and says, not my will, but your will be done. And we do it. This battle of the flesh and the Spirit are always going on. And oftentimes we come back and want to live according to the flesh. Christ calls us to be obedient to the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Secondly, as we filter out the worldly influences, we need to have a plan for how we're going to filter out the immoral and ungodly influences. We're going to be in the world. God had not taken us out of the world. We're in the world. But we ought to have a filter. And that's the Holy Spirit. That He filters out the things in our life that do not glorify God. And then third is we need to dwell on godly influences. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 4 that we are not to be anxious, but in everything through prayer and supplication give thanks unto God. And then we need to meditate or dwell on the things that are pure and lovely and holy, those things that honor Christ. That's the way that we can be transformed and allow the work of God in our lives so today as we come to the close of this passage of scripture i want us to just think about he says here he said this is so that you may prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect to prove what the will of god is according to new living translation is to learn what the will of god is the more that we're transformed in the likeness of christ the more that we begin to learn what it looks like to live our lives for Christ. The more that we're discerning what that looks like. So as we close today and have a time of response, I want to be like Paul says, I want to plead with you. We're not perfect practically. If you're a child of God today, you're perfect positionally because you're right with God. But practically, that's a work that's ongoing. But I want us to think about this as we close. What do you want to be like in 2023? As we come to this place of response, there are some that may be here today that you're not saved. And the very first thing that you can do to begin to hone your life and be transformed in the likeness of Christ is to surrender your life to Him and say, I confess that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin and I trust in Christ and Christ alone to save me and to give me the hope of eternal salvation in heaven. Alright, that's the first thing. But today you may have been walking with the Lord for a long time and yet you've kind of left apart the surrender piece. That's, that's getting a little tough. I don't want to surrender anymore. I just feel wanna do it my own way. Maybe today is the day that as the Holy Spirit convicts you, you need to say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you once again. Maybe today you have been walking with Christ, but there have been things that have infiltrated your life that are tainting your life, that don't look like Christ. Maybe today is the day that you need to confess that before Christ and say, Lord God, help me to filter out and not conform to the world. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. Help me to be holy and set apart for you. And then thirdly, may it be today. You've said I've tried and Lord God, I have been struggling to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. But with everything I am today, Lord God, in 2023, day by day, help me to be transformed in the likeness of Christ so that I might bring glory to you. Would you do that today? Whatever decision needs to be made. I'll be here at the front. You can come. You can ask me to pray with you. The altar will be open. You can come and just pray or you can stay there in in your pew and pray about these things. But seek out the Lord.